0: Welcome back to the CX Podcast. I am Dolores here with my co-host Daniel. And today we have Patrick Bosmans as our, our special guest. Welcome, Patrick.
1: Happy to be here. Hey, Patrick. So, so sorry, cool. go ahead, Daniel. No, cool. all you. So we'll start off, Patrick, real easy. What is your current job title and how long have you been in that role?
2: Um. So my current job title is uh, Corporate Systems Support Analyst uh, or engineer depends on who you talk to on what given day. Um, and I've been enrolled now for about three months, three months. Yeah. So what does that mean? What do you do? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little analogous, right? Um, so basically what my job is, is there are about four or five pieces of uh, support system style software. So for example, like Zendesk ticketing platform, you know, like the, like my job is to help oversee and administer all of the user profile settings, all of the integrations, all of the rules and automations and stuff like that um, to make sure that agents can connect with customers as well as customers connecting with agents for support. So there's, uh, I Kind of over. I help oversee with my team, um, email and ticketing, uh, uh, live messaging and chat, voice um, connection channels. Um, so just uh, an, an kind of an amalgam of support uh, channels is what we do.
0: It sounds like a very technical role. So I'm curious about your your previous experience in tech. Um, what did you do before? You were like master, master tech guy. Uh,
2: so, you know, I kind of uh, evolved, uh, you know, my career drastically uh, in about six years. I started working at Apple um, in one of their stores and got into kind of understanding like computer architecture and software. Um, and then from there, uh, I moved into Zendesk and. Uh, was a customer support advocate um, for a couple of years before moving up to their premier uh, team, which was dedicated support to enterprise-level customers. Um, In doing that, really had to get uh, uh, a lot of technical knowledge built up for um, a myriad uh, of different support avenues, Um, anything from like mobile SDKs, APIs, JavaScript, like, Uh, light coding um, uh, learning. And that gave me the skill sets to apply for Stripe, the company that I work at now, where basically everything that I've done kind of coalesced into just sort of the perfect skill sets for this role, uh, giving me the opportunity to, to do this job for the last three months and hopefully do it well. I think I'm doing all right at it. So they seem to like my presence so far. We're enjoying your presence too, Patrick, so no worries
0: there. Um, So did you always have a plan? Like, just hearing about Stripe, Zendesk, Apple, is this where you would always
2: sort of envision your career taking you? Oh, good Lord, no.
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Let's see. The original idea was I was going to be a college professor in English literature, um, that was my degree. My, my degree was in English lit um, with an emphasis on medieval literature. So like uh, Chaucer and Faust and, and stuff like that, a little bit of Shakespeare. Um, and as time went on, you know, just not that easy to get into. Uh, and, uh, the, as I, I, have a lot of neighbors that are actually in the University of Wisconsin, Madison, uh, education system. And I just kept hearing from them over the years, just how tough tenure track is and, and how little, um, you know, money and budget there is to kind of do the things that you want to do for your students. So it was just super disheartening. So I'm like, ah, I'll look at something else. And, um, this is kind of what it was. Uh, this is what I ended up doing. Um, Now, interestingly, though, back in high school, you know, they give you all of these like aptitude tests, and uh, to see kind of like where you may fit. And as a junior in high school, I took an aptitude test before taking like the first round of ACTs and SATs. And it said that I would be good in computer engineering. So, you know, 20 some odd years to go full circle back to the aptitude test I took in high school is really what this is.
1: So our listeners may or may not know this. I'm going to assume that there's going to be some people that are listening to this that know you and I, Patrick. Um, But then there's going to be a bunch of people that don't know this, but Patrick and I actually met when we worked at Apple together. So uh, I've been following Patrick from career to career. So, you know, I just kind of, you know, he jumps, then I jump and follow. He's probably trying to get away from me. Who knows? Um, (laughs) It hasn't worked so far the past like four or five years. Um, But, you know, we have that shared experience from Apple. um, But you kind of just alluded to like, you know, in high school, you took this aptitude test and it said, you know, computers and stuff like that. But you probably didn't spend your the rest of your high school career or your college days or anything like that, or like even, you know, just post high school or anything like that, like focusing in on that necessarily. So I'm wondering, like, before we get into the education question, because I have that coming up, but like, how do you feel as though you adapt to technology? Because you seem to be in a whole bunch of technology roles. You know, when you're at Apple, they teach you what they need you to know about Apple. But from the looks of it, you've been able to jump and make some pretty big leaps from one to the other. Like, do you feel as though you can attribute some things about you as a person to like how you're learning about technology? Do you feel as though it comes naturally? Can you talk to me about like your technical aptitude? Do you feel as though that's helped? Sure. Um, I
2: think honestly, I don't really know if like my technical aptitude is what gave me the ability to do the things that I do. I honestly think it's just, I found things that I liked about what I had to do in different jobs and then pursued the minutia. You know, like you're always gonna have a job where there's going to be issues that you don't wanna pick up and there's gonna be tasks that you don't wanna do. You know, the overall task is something that you want engagement, but there's pieces of the task that you can gain you know, some knowledge about yourself and, and some insights out of. And so over the years, picking out those little pieces gave me a picture to say, ah, like, I kind of like this, you know, like, um, like before I left Zendesk, I was actually um, uh, the premier uh, manager and manager of enterprise support. And that is the third manager job I've had in my life. Um, for whatever reason, I keep kind of getting into that track and people keep thinking like, ah, you you do well with this and, and, and you show ability here. And while I do, I don't enjoy it. Uh, I like helping the people. I like being a partner to team members, but the actual job, the tasks, I really don't get a lot of joy out of. And so... I think picking and choosing the things that I really liked about the tasks that even I didn't like have helped me kind of pull through some of these threads and I've woven this, you know, wonderful security blanket for myself that just happens to have a lot of tech in it that has helped me move into this role. And so, yeah, I don't I don't really think it's the technical aptitude. It's just I found the pieces that make me happy and they just happen to have a lot of tech associated with it.
1: Sure. Um, And uh, actually, I think there might be a follow-up. Dolores and I still talk on the side there. So Dolores, did you have a follow-up to that before I ask my next question with that?
0: Yeah. Patrick, curious with the whole picking the pieces, like where does that, is that not to call you old or anything, but does that come with age? Like, you know, you have three kids, you have, you know, you have a partner, like where does that come from?
2: Um
1: <laughs> Thanks for calling the old. I didn't mean
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's just uh, it's it's situational awareness. you know, I don't ha- I don't think you have to have a whole lot of experience per se. I mean, the more experience that you have in doing it, right, the better and quicker you can see the things that you're gonna like. Um, but it's just sort of being aware. Like when you're even when you're doing something that you don't necessarily enjoy in its entirety, there are things that you will enjoy a part of it because you'll, you'll, you'll attack those quicker, right? Like people that are very organized and, and detail oriented, when you have a big project, what do you do first? First thing you do is you organize your task list and you detail it and you line item it and you get it down and it just looks amazing. And you take a certain sense of pride in that, recognize that, recognize that that is something you really enjoy and then put that little nugget aside, So that way, the next time you have different tasks brought your way and different team members, um, you know, participating with you, you can step up and say, I'll take this. I will do this. I will knock it out of the park. This will be amazing because I enjoy this. I will get this done. And you will be able to put the effort forward of a grand project, something that you enjoy that you will get more out of and that people will see, and that will lead you they will see that and that will lead you into other directions that will give you more and more of that moving forward or i should say that's the goal right like i've i've experienced that personally over the last like 6 7 years uh of you know career growth uh, and i think that that's a good foundation to move forward on at least for myself so and it's been working
0: yeah that really resonates with me i think um i mean there's tons of research out there that shows like if you we employees are genuinely happy with the work that they're doing, that output's gonna be of a of a higher quality than, you know, if we the job that we're doing sucks sure. to us. So totally makes sense. And then like what you said about being able to identify the things that you enjoy and the confidence that comes with saying and like being in that space and raising your hand and identifying and calling out like, hey, I want to work on that. That's a skill within itself. Like I think a lot of professionals right now, um Especially where we do have the flexibility to carve out our careers, because location doesn't really matter as much anymore. You know, like right. the job that you know we wanted in New York, but we don't have to move to New York to do the job. Now it's like requiring some, some real confidence to to take the leap. So
1: thank you for sure. So my follow up to to the question, kind of like on the experience and whatnot. So there's you know, it's always been a thing that the stigma around technology is that. Um, you need a degree to have, to be able to get into tech. Right. Um, And we know that that's really unfounded. Like that's not, that's not true at all. I'm a communications uh, major from when I went to to school and stuff like that. And like, yes, I can utilize my degree. If uh, last episode that we had Sam Chandler on here, um, you know, having a film degree and stuff like that, or, you know, focusing on that, but now all of a sudden you're a manager at this company. Um, Can you like walk us through like a little bit about your maybe educational background um, and like how you've maybe applied some of that to potentially your roles today, like is there any correlation? Is it like a completely different walk, walk that you got here? Um, anything about like education that you want to talk about within this, these roles?
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat this by saying I'm not pessimistic about the role of college in today's like workforce. I think that there's a value for secondary and higher level education but I do have a problem with how it's being represented as you need to have a degree in order to progress. And you know, one of the things that I learned uh, a, a few years ago that I found out about was um, there is a video game company that's based out of Madison. And uh, I was working with one of their um, art directors uh, at, at Apple. In fact, I was selling, I was selling him a, a couple of computers for his kids. And, um, you know, we were talking about kind of the job and, and, you know, we were waxing philosophic on the video state of video games, you know, and, um, we kind of transitioned over to, to, to family. And I was talking about how my oldest was, you know, soon to go into like, uh, college and art and stuff. And that was what they were interested in. And, uh, he literally stopped and said to me and he goes, no, like, don't send them to college. Like if they're really interested in this, go on YouTube go online, just have them practice and have them start putting out examples of their work. He said, I spent four years getting an amazing art degree and I don't regret it, but I'm sitting next to 18 year old kids who learned everything that they needed to know from YouTube, you know, and they put together a portfolio, applied for the job and are now sitting there making the same money, doing the same thing that I do without having spent all that time. You know, and that's again, that's not to say that there's not a value in college, because I think that what my college experience taught me was how to work and how to, you know, organize and how to seek answers and stuff, those things I didn't have innately. Um, But what it does show you is that if you know, if you have a goal and if you find the things that give you joy and you want to pursue it, the information is out there. You don't need a gatekeeper like a university to help you garner it you just do it and that's what that's what I kind of pulled out of that and so you know I think similarly you know when we talk when I mentioned earlier like my graduate my I graduated with a bachelor's of English literature that plays nothing into what I do nowadays other than the fact that I'm fairly decent at communicating um but I think what I have done is I found the things that I enjoy. I found the little passions and the little like, you know, little exuberant moments of epiphanies to say, ah, that's it. And I followed that. And I didn't let others tell me that that wasn't in my scope. You know, that's not your job. Sweet. But I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what I like to do. And, and, And as long as I'm doing the work that you want me to do, then I'm gonna spend the free time that I have throughout my day and then the evenings and just kind of gather more of this around me and, and form it into something that I'm gonna make useful, the skill sets that I think I'm gonna need. You know, um, so I, I wholly wish that people would find good education beyond, you know, just high school and, and public schooling, but using college as a crutch in some instances that companies do nowadays to say if you don't have this. You're not a value to us. We're not even going to look at you. It's wrong. People, people can get more than enough from their own initiative because the information's there and available to, to show and promote. So
1: yeah, and I think the, I mean, so the, the series that we're recording right now is the CX Career series. And I think that the, that you shed light on this. And this is kind of like one of the points that we're doing to talk about these things during this podcast. Is that you know you have an English lit you know degree? I have a communications degree. Um, I know Dolores has a few different degrees, um, but like how we apply them is useful when we have that education. But by no means does it limit the type of work that we can get ourselves into. If we if we have a passion within any type of CX role or anything like that, like clearly, Patrick you've taken that English lit major and communication is very important. I will, I will emphasize that it's very important uh, being able to communicate. And Patrick does that very eloquently in real life as well as on Zooms. Um, Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes. Patrick is great. Um, but like, you know, you can, if you're going to go for that secondary degree, you know, and it, even though it doesn't align within a tech role, how can you still use that to make that be one of your, maybe like shining stars, right. But by no means should it limit you from getting into any of these career paths. And, you know, I think everyone on this call today is, uh, or on this recording today is testament to that. Like, you know, we've taken, our secondary education and applied it. Um, but by no means did we ever foresee that we would be in this type of a role. you know when we were you know picking our classes or picking our majors in college, like that shouldn't limit someone. And I wholeheartedly agree like we're not trying to bash secondary education, but like you know there are sometimes like it, the the path through life is not necessarily paved the same for everyone. Um, it's just a matter of how you can how you can use that to the best of your ability and then again, you know, thank you for shedding light on that. But that's like one of the things that I want to say about that, at least is that we've all kind of taken different paths to get here. And by no means should it limit any of us from getting into tech or doing what we've done so far with our three career paths. For so, sure. and so forth.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be what you make of it. So, but, and again, I think like finding what it is that you enjoy first. And when you do that and you and you put that out into the world people will see that you know they see that confidence they see that engagement they see that drive and they will find things for you to fit so that you can continue to move forward so wholeheartedly agree
0: so we talked about communication
2: um and how important that
0: is but i'm curious what other in your current role or actually i won't even limit it to current role if you think about your last few roles especially you know working your way up as a nest to that manager position and then even where you are now like what skills or traits are necessary for you to to be effective um and that can be you know like soft skills hard skills or just what type of personality you think will be most successful
2: oh um I can't remember. I, th- I think it's uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but he basically said like, the goal is to know enough to know that you don't know enough. And, 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 again, I know I'm paraphrasing that because he said it much better, but the, what I took out of it was if you're going to engage in a topic, a field of study um, you know, a task or something, you should educate yourself to know the basics, to have a good foundation, but then you should never let that education make you arrogant about what you do know. I, I I think like one of the things that I used to tell my team members, you know, at Zendesk and at Apple is be aware, like you're going to meet people that know more than you, and you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to take a step back. You're going to have to put your ego aside and say, what did I learn from this? Because each time you have a good interaction, you're gonna learn something. And I, you know, when I was in support, I would always caveat, be like, I think this is what I think would be the best option. Here are options that you can pursue. I would recommend this. What do you think? And make it a good conversation. You're not coming from a place of authority and by de facto pointing out, this is the only option. You're, you're providing options. You know, and I think that that sort of mantra overall has given me a lot of play to to make statements that I maybe not would have been able to otherwise um, to to meet people that uh, were sort of outside of my box from a certain perspective when it came to work, because I would be in meetings with people that would recognize that statement and recognize That mentality and grab onto that and have future conversations with me outside of the topic that we started. Um, and that honestly, like that, when, when I think about the most recent job at Zendesk, like that helped me move from an associate customer advocate to in two years to a tier two advocate or technical support engineer to a premier engineer, to a premier manager in four years, because I kept approaching each situation and each, you know, new context, new environment with that same mentality. And it gave me the opportunity to go, okay, cool. I think I know this, here's what I would do, but what would you do? You tell me what I don't know. Let's learn more. Um, Something else that I think has really helped me a lot is I recognize in myself that I am very uncomfortable when I don't know the lay of the land. I, I, if I don't, if I'm not able to see the landscape before me and really have a clear picture of all of the options, of all of the details, of all of the pieces, I don't like to move forward. I really don't. You know, I would prefer to sit back and wait for everything to come to me so that I can put things in the order that I need them to be in, take the steps that I know I'm going to succeed in and then move forward but that's not always going to (laughs) happen. Like You're not always going to have the luxury of sitting back going, well, I'm only going to engage in this if I know it's going to succeed because Mm -hmm. that's not life. Um, So, so becoming more comfortable taking a chance and evaluating risk, I think is another big learn for me over the last few years. Now, that being said, I still only engage when I know that there is like, a significant chance, you know, or at least a better than 50 chance, you know, that things are going to go the way that I want. And if they don't, I'm at least going to communicate it and I'm going to communicate it well to let everybody know like, Hey, if you really want to move forward here, I'm telling you straight out, this is probably not going to work. And for these reasons, but I'm more than willing to move forward because you say it has to happen. Um, but that's something that I never would do uh, when I was younger. It's nope. You give me all the information that I need, and then I'll figure out the plan to make it happen, and I'll make it work, and I would succeed 100% of the time. Um, but as the further you get into careers, the further, the higher up you get in different companies, the more you have to play with that risk and certainty to make sure that okay, cool, this may or may not happen the way that I want, but I'm going to make the best of it of what I can. I'm going to produce a product, a service, an engagement, whatever. You know, that I'm going to be proud of no matter what. And I'm going to make sure that everybody sort of recognizes, you know, where those pitfalls are in the process, what obstacles needed to be overcome, what support I'm going to be need, you know, so that I'm not just trying to own this all myself. Um yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was a hard one, honestly. That was a really hard one for me personally to get over. So
1: so I have the direct quote from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson for anyone that was listening and wanted to hear the direct quote from him. It says, uh, quote, one of the great challenges in life is knowing enough to think you're right, but not enough to know you're wrong. And that's the end of that quote. Yeah. So uh, you, you summarized it very nicely, paraphrased it. Um, but just in case anyone was out there, you know, wondering what the direct quote is, that's, that's what it is. Um, so kind of shifting for a moment then, because we want to talk a little bit more about CX and um there's some other CX questions that we want to ask, but before we get to that point, I'm going to take two questions and kind of combine them. Um, So at the beginning of the call, you kind of told us what your role and title was and whatnot. Um, Can you go into some of your primary job functions, but then on top of that, describe any, like, do you have customer-facing interactions, if any? Um, And customers to you could be defined as internal employees of of Stripe, or it could be external, but could you talk about some of those job functions and then any that are quote-unquote customer-facing? Sure. So my, I guess it depends on the
2: customer because like when you think about a customer, you can, it's, it's, it's a dynamic term that can be referenced depending upon where you're at. Customer facing for me is the products that I service, the products that I oversee, my customers are the agents themselves. My customers are my technology team partners because they're the ones that are building integrations and I need to help them have the right documentation to reference for, to make sure that whatever it is that they're building works, you know? So when we think about customer facing, it really depends on, you know, context. So I don't deal with the end user, the end customer, but I do deal with a lot of internal customers of the products that we have and that we use Um, that in mind, like I deal with people all the time. Um for, for us, we have a lot of external, um, we call them business partners or BPOs um, that use Zendesk per se. So since we're talking about like a ticketing platform, so that we use Zendesk as a ticketing platform. Um, whenever they have an issue, it's on me like I need to go in and vet what's going on. I need to make sure. So I have calls with them. I have, you know, threads with them to make sure like, well, what are you seeing? Give me all the documentation. And then I partner with, you know, the direct support so that I know, cool, this is what they're seeing on the internal log side. And then I'm a proxy back and forth to try and get the resolution down. Um, I'm also, you know, when we have, um, sales partners come in and go, well I would like to do this. this is how I want to run this campaign. can Zendesk do this? Can your other you know support systems do that Cool. let's have a discussion. let's mock this up. let's figure out what you want. what is necessary from a technical change aspect? what is necessary from a downstream you know review to make sure that we don't break anything else you know what documentation are you going to need like all of that is sort of my purview to make sure that, whatever needs to happen can happen and is documented well enough. So in future States we can replicate and, and, and break down necessarily. So. Perfect.
0: Um, excuse me. So let's make it a little fun. Um, in any of your roles, you pick, no, I'm going to say this, your current role. Sorry. I like to give, you know, freedom and then take it back. Um, what is the nerdiest, coolest funniest whatever thing you've learned in your current role or or that you do
2: or that i do um you know i i, I think i i really yeah okay um
0: <laughs> like what makes patrick nerd out
2: what makes patrick nerd out um i like bad dad jokes i love it i'm a father of three and i really love like just inane pop references that make you roll your eyes um and anything that relates to like video games or comic book culture because you know that was my bag like i have way too many graphic novels in the house and it's seriously, it's like, it's like, I'm looking at one of my bookshelves right now, it's breaking my bookshelf because of some of the weight of these things. Um, and at my current role, we use Slack as a communication tool, which I'm sure is a lot of people use um, the emojis, you know, that people use to reference um, the other day, somebody used the portal emojis to connect two threads. So the orange portal in and the blue portal out. Oh, Oh, I can't tell you. It did my soul so much good. It was just (laughs) like, yes, this place gets me because there are people here that do this. And I had to call it out. And we nerded out for about five minutes, you know, like, are you thinking about getting the steam deck? I don't know. Well, I guess it's going to be neat. It's going to cost this, like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it was just one of those moments where you don't fully recognize how valuable community is until you might not have it. And uh, and coming into this role, this is my first remote job ever, like fully remote. I will never go back into an office with working here in this current situation. Um, and so I've been sort of missing that that camaraderie of team members and seeing others in the office and you know whatever. Since of course the pandemic too, um, but that was a, a, an eye opening moment for me. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Yes, I can geek out with these people. There's places for me to do this, and so I spent some time looking up different Slack channels and uh, jumping into like a D and D channel and a video game channel and a dog channel and stuff, and just kind of, just, just, yeah, just finding my niche. Um, but that's that's my nerdiest or whatever thing that I've done recently at my role. So yeah, I'm gonna that add- that
0: portal would- thing went right over my head. So <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: I want to add in two pieces of that that Patrick I don't think really mentioned, though, but our Patrick is, uh, again, a longtime friend of mine, love him to bits. Um, But also, if I think back to our Apple days, riddles are in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And yeah, we used
2: to do like a uh, weekly riddle. It would,
1: it would, it would annoy the crap out of me. Cause I'm not, I'm not at that level, but then Patrick would have like the best moments over that when he would have that riddle or board games too. Like I say, I, uh, I know yeah. I see, cause our viewers know that they're listening to a recording, but with the way we record these, we see each other on zoom, but I've been to your house and I've know what bookshelf you're talking about. And I know that there's, well, it might've changed, but I know there are board games on there too, but Patrick also and his kids love board games um, and that's also just like, so when you're saying these games and stuff like that, like this is just giving me like Patrick vibes all over. <laughs> yeah. There's just yeah. all those things.
2: Um, for, for just a tidbit of like slice of life here, I actually have had to, um, move a significant number up into the attic and it pains me, it pains <laughs> me. Cause I can't look at the majesty of a full bookshelf of just board games galore. So yeah, it's, it's,
1: oh, it hurts. So Nerds. maybe one day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll end this out. Um, Patrick, um, uh, I know that we talked before the episode, but we're going to go ahead and link your LinkedIn uh, profile to your episode for the podcast. So um, for those of you who are listening on any other streaming platform, if you go to CXhuddle.com um and then navigate to our podcast page, you'll be able to find Patrick's blurb section that will also have a direct link to his LinkedIn. Um, he's great. I've enjoyed him for, for many years that I've known Patrick Um, he is a wealth of knowledge. Um, I know that Dolores loves him just as much. And since she's been working with him as well, um, Patrick, on behalf of Dolores, and I thank you so much for joining today's episode and, and thank you for, for bringing the laughs and the nerdiness and everything you've done to our lives and then how you, how you continue to do so.
2: Love it. Hey, no, happy to help. Happy to be here.